Welcome to the Empowered to Connect podcast, where we come together to discuss a healing-centered approach to engagement and well-being for ourselves, our families, and our communities. I'm J.D. Wilson, and I'm your host. And today on the show, we're going to talk about how to use scaffolding. Um, It's one of our connecting practices, and we've got one of our Cultivate Connection facilitators with us, Angie Grant, um, as well as Beckham McKay, and they're going to both give us an inside look into how we use scaffolding with our kids. Um, We go over it in tons of detail in the episode, so rather than explain it all right now, I will just say um, this is one of our most pivotal um, connecting practices um, in the process of teaching our kids how to do stuff and just um, understanding that gap between behavior we want to see one day and where we are or skills we want to see one day um, and wherever we are currently with our kids, with our in our relationships, with ourselves, um, this principle is one that helps us to give a really healthy framework, see what I did there, uh, for how to grow and how, I'm sorry, that was so bad, um, and how to move on um, and uh, build into our lives healthy practices. And so um, we're super pumped to talk with Angie and Becca today. And so without any further ado, here we are talking about building scaffolding with Angie, Becca, and myself. Well, as we talked about in the introduction, uh, we are here today with Angie Grant and with Becca McKay, and we're going to talk about um, Angie's favorite connecting practice today, and is one of ours also. It is um, using scaffolding, and so um, Angie, thank you for being here. And before we jump into the connecting practice, for people who don't know you or haven't heard you on before, would you just explain kind of who you are and how you got connected to ETC? Sure. Well, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. And this is my favorite tool. So I'm really excited about just sharing some practical stuff that has worked for us. Um, But on a professional note, I oversee a school. Um, I'm a pastor's wife. I live in uh, Midlothian, Virginia. Uh, So right outside of Richmond and probably have been in foster care adoption space for um, about 10 years. We adopted from foster care. Um, about 10 years ago, and I just became a student of um, how to do this and how to do this well. We went in with rose-colored glasses, and um, obviously that doesn't work very long. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so that that is kind of my passion. Um, We uh, do wraparound ministry here at our church. I oversee all of that um, as well. I also um, have the privilege of sitting on our local Department of Social Services board, um, so that's given me some new insight as well. So it's just great awesome. to be here. Yeah. Uh, well, Becca, why don't you kind of give us an overview of the connecting practice and then we'll jump into it with Angie. Absolutely. Um, so our practice today is use scaffolding, which if you're a teacher or an educator, you may have heard it used in this kind of way that we mean it, which is kind of like, what are the baby steps? We got to teach a kid how to read. What are the scaffolds? How do we get them there? What are How do we break it down into small little bite-sized pieces? Um, it is something that we talk about from a lot of different education psychology kind of research. But our three core components are to set appropriate expectations, which can be easier said than done because it requires us to understand not only just a little bit about child development, but also what are some things that can get the train off the tracks and how does that look and how can that impact our expectations of the kids in our care. Um, Our next core component is to support skill building. So we don't just want to know what's going on with our kid. We want to support them. We want them to grow. We want to give them what they need to to make those steps and to to learn those skills over time. 
And then our, our final core component is practice outside the moment. Um, it sounds counterintuitive, but a lot of times when we have the same challenge over and over and over and over again, we're constantly responding to it and we forget, oh, hang on a second. This is something I could pause and I could practice this a different way, maybe a fun way, maybe through a game or a role play. Um, and we don't have to wait until things are falling apart to jump on in. Um, so that is use scaffolding in a nutshell. If you haven't heard of it and you Google it, you can learn more about it. Um, and another idea that goes along with it really well is this idea of the zone of proximal development. So if you haven't heard of that, uh, guy named Vygotsky came up with this idea that we've got three zones. There's what we can't do yet. A baby cannot hold up their head when they're first born. Then there's stuff in our proximal development, what we can do with support. Um, teenager can drive with a permit if you're next to them. A uh, little kid can start to take their first steps if they're holding on to your fingers. A uh, third grader can read if you're prompting them and helping them remember their sounds, um, those kind of things. And then the zone of of actual development, getting them confused, is stuff they can do by themselves. Um, a lot of times our expectations and frustrations as parents or caregivers comes when we want them to be able to do things by themselves, but they are still in that zone of proximal development where they still need scaffolds or supports or a little bit of help. Right. So, I, and I, yeah, I would say, I'm sure Angie, you're in the same boat. Um, that's not where any of my frustrations ever come from because I, I don't, you know, I don't get frustrated with my kids, but, uh, so I think maybe a good, a good, a good place to start. Why is this your favorite connecting practice? And what, what's your favorite thing about this as a, as a habit or practice? Um, well, my background is education. So I'm a child and family studies major. And so in the school world, this is amazing because I, I do think it is something that that it might be out there, Becca, but I don't know that we practice it so much when we're talking about in a classroom setting. But when teachers and educators and parents can get a hold of this, like, um, you know, the difference between can't do it and won't or won't do it and can't do it. Yes. I think that um, what I love most about this practice is that it's so hopeful because you can create this starting point. And so many times, especially our kids that are really struggling in particular areas, we can look at that and feel like, oh my goodness, like two years has gone by and I feel like we've made zero progress in this area. And so it really causes us to stop, reflect, uh, and then create something, a system per se, of how we're going to get there. Um, and so for me, I love it because it is it is so hopeful. Um, you know, when I first did um, Empowered to Connect training way back when it when it looked a little different, um, it didn't include this. And for me, when I was doing the training, I think this is why you guys thought of me because I was like, I love this because it really does. Uh, it just makes sense. Um, and I would venture to say when we really stop and reflect um, our kids have made progress. I think we do a lot of this scaffolding practice, um, you know, in our homes naturally for a lot of things. And then the things that maybe need a little extra, I think that's where it's our place to step in and say, okay, what are the steps I'm going to do to scaffold this and scaffold this um, well, because it really can become uh, a game changer. Um, I think it also bring, breaks things down into smaller chunks. 
you know, when our kids have lots of areas, um, and I think Karen Purvis does a really good job in her um, The Connected Child. I think it's like in the back of the book. I was going to take a minute to kind of look at that today, and I didn't have a minute, but I remember her saying, like, don't break out the whole, like, we can be really overwhelmed really quickly when we have multiple areas. You know, if our kids are lacking social skills, if their, you know, executive function is not functioning the way that it's supposed to, if, um, you know, all the things, when they all kind of collide, we can go, oh, this is too much. But we can say, okay, we're just going to deal with our morning routine. We're just going to see how we can scaffold that particular part of our day and, and kind of just almost organize the pain points or the struggling points that are equally frustrating for them, but then really frustrating for us, um, especially when we can't make sense of it. So I think the scaffolding principle really by and large helps us to break things down in smaller chunks to prevent that feeling of I'm overwhelmed at the whole, Um, all the things, all the areas that we would like to see less challenging behavior and more growth in. So that's why I like it in a nutshell. Do you mind, I know I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. Do you mind sharing a couple examples of like, when you started to think about scaffolding, there was a little bit of an aha moment of like, oh, we are doing this. So can you think of a couple examples of like most parents listening, you're already doing this. Can you toss a couple examples for them to be like, oh, that's what that is. Yeah, I, um, you know, and, and okay, I'll give you a crate. It's going to sound crazy. If you're a foster and adoptive parent, it's not going to sound crazy. Um, but our little guy, yeah, he's 12 now. He's the only one at home. All the other kids are grown. I have four grandbabies. And so that in itself can be a challenge sometimes when he's the only one, because there's not this modeling going on with other kids and things like that. But I can remember when he was about five years old and, uh, we were all on vacation together and, um, he, uh, it was 4th of July. And so there were fireworks and that was like, he was on high alert. Um, but then something we never realized was he was petrified of bridges. Oh. Petrified of huh. Um, and so we had to cross the bridge walking on a bridge. We had to walk across the bridge to get to the fireworks. Well, he literally had a complete you know, meltdown over walking across that bridge. And again, in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, I can carry you across the bridge. I, but he wanted no part of it. Yeah. Um, and so it was just complete meltdown. And I can remember after that thinking, we somehow have to teach this concept. You know, part of the part of the scaffolding piece is that teaching outside the moment. Yeah. Um, and so we would practice walking across little things. Um, to make him not so scary. So maybe a small little, um, you know how at parks they have like those little ramps or yeah. those little um, drawbridge kind of oh, things. Yeah. You know, we would start small and do that. And 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 this is crazy. This sounds crazy. And then I kind of left it at that. And again, he was like six. Uh, we just did a trip, uh, the three of us, my husband and I and him together to uh, New York City And um, one of the activities was walking across the Brooklyn Bridge. I don't know if you've ever been to New York, but it's a very big bridge. It's a very tall bridge. Um, And um, I hadn't thought anything about that, you know, like, oh, he's not going to walk across this bridge. Um, And it was not an issue at all, at all. And I think because I took the time, again, to create those moments 
right? To say, you know what, this doesn't have to be scary. You don't have to be scared. But then so he could have a little bit of a victory along the way. So we probably maybe initially we did that little practicing after that trip. Mm -hmm. But after that, I kind of tabled it. And so some of this stuff just kind of naturally takes care of itself. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's the kind of example you're talking about, Becca, but well, it's um, a great example because I think it can be scary um, whenever you first start to think about scaffolding because you're like, well, am I giving them a crutch that they're not going to be able to let go of? Like, I think that's a fear that a lot of people have is like, well, if I don't make them do whatever fill in the blank by themselves, they're then never going to do, do it. it. How are they yeah. ever going to get past this, this fear yeah. or maybe this lagging skill or this inability to do X, Y, Z, like, and so it's just encouraging to hear, no, it, it can, it can be a true scaffold. And in a true scaffold, when you don't need it anymore, it goes away. Like he doesn't need you yeah. at this age yeah. to practice going over the bridge. Like he doesn't need that carry him anymore across yeah. the bridge or yeah, all the things. Yeah. yeah. I think sure. it's a great example of scaffolding. Yeah. I, well, and one of the things that you said that, uh, that I love. It's just even, you didn't know that that wasn't going to be a big deal until you're back at it again. Right. And so right. a lot of times we think this involves like a, like a structural test. After we've done yes. it, like, You've got to do this and then, all right, buckle up. We're going to hop some bridges real quick and make sure that we're okay. You know, no, like, but sometimes what we don't realize is we're setting things in place with, with light scaffolding that is yeah. scaffolding off. We just don't have to come back to it again. And um, we were talking before we recorded just about like the construction pictures there, right? Like if somebody has to brick a building, they can't stand at the bottom and, you know, mortar the bricks and just chuck them up there and have them placed perfectly where they need to be in line. So you've got to have closer access to do the, the deeper work. But once that brickwork is done, it doesn't have to be redone again. You just pull it down and it's in place, right? You pull the scaffolding yeah. down. So yeah. I think that that picture was really helpful for me thinking about, you know, uh, what let's say sleep issues. If we were having sleep issues, you know, that messes with everybody because now you're sleep deprived, which messes with your own yeah, emotional yeah, stability. Yeah. And you're sitting there and in those moments, you're like, my life is never going to be okay again. <laughs> sleep <laughs> is not happening right now. Yeah. This is the worst. And why did we even say we we're going to have kids? And this is, yeah. what, what are we doing? And then, you know, however long it is. And we've had stints of like a couple of days like that. We've had stints of a couple of months like that. Yeah. And then you kind of look up and you're like, Hey, have we been alone for a week now? Like has, has no one come in on bedtime in a week or have yeah. we had, you know, yeah. have graduated out of that stage. So that like when you're in it, it can feel daunting and difficult. And, uh, I'll speak for myself. It can, it can feel imprisoning. Like it can feel like you're, you're closed up in a tight space. Um, but those, if we keep in mind, those seasons are there to get kind of things in place to help promote growth for the long term. Once that growth happens, we can kind of back away from those things. So, um, I, I do love that. I, that with this concept, and I would imagine for both of y'all with your education backgrounds, you could speak to this a little bit. Um, what do you think are some common missteps or mistakes or or uh, or I don't know um, misconceptions of this particular topic of like of using scaffolding? Well, I think the first thing I think of is just expectations. Um, you know, mm -hmm. our expectations can really mess us up. You know, you are 12. However, 
you know, and, and I've caught myself saying that, like, how old are you again? Like, mm-hmm. you know, of putting those expectations um, that again, maybe it's not, they won't, but it's really, they can't. Yeah. Um, I love the developmental puzzle mm-hmm. um, that, that allows you to kind of um, factor in all those things when you're talking about a skill. I think that's the first misconception or the the difficult thing with scaffolding is, your expectations are maybe a little bit off and then uh, taking scaffolding away a little too soon. Yeah. I I think that, you know, we did this twice. You should have this now Um, or not being consistent with kind of the way you've set up a scaffolding opportunity um, for them. And, and that just, again, it's almost like starting at ground zero multiple, multiple times when you do that. So I think those are the two um, pitfalls when we say, Hey, let's identify these missing skills again and identifying them one at a time. I mean, it's not fair to a kid say, to say, you know, we're going to all these deficits in your life, right. Um, we're just going to hit them hard. Um, but really I think just starting out with prioritizing some of those ones that, that are causing so much frustration for them even, um, but I think that taking expectations and taking scaffolding away a little bit too soon. Um, to that part, taking it away too soon. It's like, well, you did this yesterday, so you should yeah. be able to do it today. Well, like, I've told you so five common. times. Yes. Right. Right. Yes. Um, every day we do the same thing. Every so day we hard. do. And I find myself saying that, like, it's no different today, you know, every day. And so, and, and then I have to sit back and go, you know, why is this a thing? Why is this something we're having to revisit over and over again, or the same questions over and over again? Um, that can cause a lot of frustration on both parties. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and that, I think something that we've been challenged on before, um, as, as parents, you know, we are really fortunate to have access to quality um, mental health care for our family. And so for um, us here at Memphis Family Connection Center, like, we, I mean, we've had um, therapists who have said, hey, I think let's talk about some expectations uh, with us and just say, I think, you know, th- it's possible to see the the different areas where this kid excels dramatically and to then sort of lump every other part of their life into that yeah. same level of maturity or, or, or age equivalency. And so, um, it really helped to think about, you know, looking at things as an incomplete puzzle and going, Oh, okay. So we've got these couple corners already in place over here. Let's find the ones over here and help and help get those in place. And I think, you know, one thing that I found shortly after that conversation was I was asking, you know, so I was asking one of our kids for to to do a sequence of like four or five things. Hey, hey listen, here's what I need you to do. I need you to do this, then this, then this, then this. And I'll come back later and thing one isn't done and I'm losing it. And I'm just like, what? I, I explained that so clearly. What is what is the deal? <laughs> and then remembering, oh yeah, well, that's probably not something that's a realistic expectation at this time. So I wrote them down and then said, Hey, will you come find me after you do this first thing? And I'll I'll talk to you about the second one. And it just, it went so much easier because there's a manageable mm-hmm. chunk. And so that's not something that I have to do or need to do with everybody um, in our family. And there are things with that kid that um, I never have to do with the others or vice versa. So with mm-hmm. with each of your kids, there's going to be different little moments that, that allow you to help them grow. And um, 
again, whether it's the construction analogy or whether it's like cooking, you know, like it yeah. doesn't take the same amount of time to cook chicken as it does broccoli, right? Or, you know, depending on how you're doing it. So all these different things take different amounts of time and energy and effort from us. But we have to pay attention to know what needs what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think too, just meeting, um, you know, some kids come to us when they're five or six, you know, we're, we're assuming that they've gotten particular things that maybe they yeah. didn't that more, right. that maybe more, um, are a natural scaffolding. I think about, you know, the cleanup song when you're two, right. Clean up, clean up, everybody do your share, you know, where, where that becomes a natural scaffolding and that we grow in that of where we're doing it with them. And then it goes, Oh, we're going to put all the dolls in the red bin and all we're all the yellow Legos and you know, this spot. And, um, can you tell my play style? It's really organizing, right. um, <laughs> but, um, you know, those things that maybe we're, we've made assumptions that they know how to do, um, that maybe we have to go back and reintroduce as if we, um, you know, they didn't get those things. Um, I think that's a that's a key uh, factor in that, um, you know, we make it a little more structured and a little more um, come do this with me so that I can show you and model it. And then we're going to try it on our own and see how that goes. And we may need to go back and do it again. Um, so, you know, I think the scaffolding really is meeting them exactly where they are and what they're capable of doing and then growing in that, um, because scaffolding is also a type of co-regulation, um, tool as well. You know, we can help our kids co-regulate when we've created something that's going to help them, um, grow. And I mean, it's just like us when we grow in something or when we accomplish something, there's this sense of pride. Um, that comes. And so I, I think for our own kids, we have to allow them to experience those times as, wow, you did this. Um, and not in a condescending way, you know, in a way that really says like, look how much you've grown in this. Um, and and I think again, you, um, you know, you comp, you, uh, compliment what you want to see repeated. Right. right. Um, and so then they kind of get in this rhythm of wanting to do more. Um, Man, I love those examples. And I think it's so true that you have to meet the kid exactly where they are, however they're coming to you. Um, I want to throw out another misconception or like misstep that I do with this one is, which I don't think I'm alone. It is faster and more efficient and cleaner to do a lot of things yourself, especially with really young kids. And so I think about uh, getting ready for church in the morning and putting the clothes on or cleaning up or getting the lunch table set or cleaned up. And so when I, um, I've shared on the podcast before, but I had an opportunity to work at a Montessori school and the head of school came over one day and was like, Becca, if you open every single orange, those little pre-K students are never going to be able to open their own orange. You need to stop. You need to start the peel and hand it to them. Oh, but they're going to get juice everywhere and it's going to be messy. Yeah, it is. And they're going to learn how to peel an orange. Um, you you can't put every straw in every single juice box. (laughs) And so you can't tie every shoe. So I think a misconception with scaffolding is that it's going to make our lives easier. But the truth is a lot of times you are a grown adult and it's faster, uh, more efficient and cleaner for you to do it yourself. But the beauty of scaffolding is you're giving yourself permission to be patient (laughs) and to let them, uh, the, the head of school pulled me aside and was like, you're not giving those kids the gift of struggle. They need to struggle through some things and it needs to be messy. And that's great because that's how they're going to learn. And so I think, like you said, Angie, we don't want to take away scaffolds too soon 
And then we don't want to do what I was doing, which is like jumping in too quick to make things easier for us. Um, Again, sometimes, you know, I think it's also with any connecting practice, you don't always have time to let them tie their shoes when they're learning. You don't. Sometimes you've got to go. But if I do it every time, I'm not finding the spaces to scaffold that skill and give them extra time and patience and like a little bit of help getting started. Mm -hmm. So it's just giving yourself permission. I think that's a miss a misstep that I was making when I was first trying to do this, first trying to do this. Um, I'm curious. I know like as an educator, as a parent, it's summer. Uh, something that we've been asking all of our facilitators is how do you think you'll use this connecting practice this summer? Like just kind of right where you're at right now. How do you think you'll use it this summer, Angie? Yeah. So I, I was thinking about that and actually we implemented something last week, but, um, you know, working, working and balancing all of that and working some from home and yeah. some at the office. And I have a 12 year old, um, that really struggles with, um, or some of his challenges are like, um, executive functioning. So keeping himself organized and various things like that. And so for the first time, I've never been really like a chore chart person, um, just simply because I always felt like that was more work for me. Um, of monitoring all that thing. And um, so I found this incredible little summer activity list. And obviously we're always, I mean, he's 12. So we're always battling the whole screen time and how much screen time and all the things, you know, you guys are, you can relate to screen time and the challenges with that. Um, But also trying to get him into various, just a routine of his day. And um, because I noticed um, he's at a private Christian school, and so I noticed moving from public school, where he was in elementary school, to now middle school, um, that that challenge of um, helping him just become more organized, becoming more responsible for various things that really um, he's capable of. I already identified like these are things that he's completely capable of doing. And then also made note that it seemed that he did better in um, more highly structured teachers' classrooms Yeah, than he did with the ones that were a little bit more loosey-goosey, didn't know really what was required of him. So he was always guessing. And then those are the classes where he wouldn't complete homework sometimes. Um, and, and really, I think that structured teacher just kind of gave him a plan. And so I observed that all year in sixth grade. And I was like, you know what? I think it's time that I start to implement some of these things in a more um, structured format for him just to see how he does, you know, just to see how he does. So it breaks up like what he needs to do in the morning. So like taking care of himself. And that's the whole, you know, we're not going to be in our PJs all day. We're going to get up. We're going to get dressed. We're going to brush our teeth, right? Um, We're going to eat breakfast. We're going to do all the things. We're not just going to lay around till, you know, 11 o'clock in the, you know, whatever. Um, And we're going to make our bed. And then we're going to do like a household chore. That's unload the dishwasher, you know, something that's age appropriate there, or that I, I feel like he's totally capable of. Um, picking up his bathroom, um, you know, various things like that. Just a couple of those things. There's a little list for that. Um, And then there's a part on there. um, It's called build your spirit. And that's about just creating, yeah, creating a few minutes just to connect with God, Um, pray. We can pray for our family, Um, you know, uh, read a little devotional. I actually got just something that he could actually, instead of reading it, uh, because there's a reading time in here, it's something that he can like watch. 
Yeah. So you can like watch and then tell me about it, you know, and then building your body. So that's your outside time or that's your physical time. Um, and with some examples of what he can do, sometimes he's like, I don't know what to do, you know, that whole idea. So knowing that he would need some ideas. Again, these are all ways that we can scaffold these things when they say, well, I'm bored. I don't know what to do. Right. Well, we're going to give you a list that you can kind of pick from, um, you know, um, and then build your brain, do something creative. That's write a story, um, you know, draw a picture, make up a song, um, you know, whatever. Uh, and again, some ideas or, you know, read for 20 minutes. Um, and then the last thing that's on the little chart is um, build some, build up someone else. So in other words, we've done all the things for us, all the things for our home, and then do something helpful for someone um, and do something nice to encourage someone. Um, and so, you know, my little guy, initially, whenever I introduce anything new, it's like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Nope. It's mm -hmm. like resistance out yeah. of the thing. But what we've learned is that really translates to, I just need a minute to process everything you've said. It doesn't mean I'm not doing it. And I've learned this again, you got to be this detective to get all this stuff, but it really just means so rather than argue with him and say, oh, yes, you are going to do this. Right. Um, we just kind of give him a minute. Yeah. Um, so the very first day, like he's checking it off. I mean, never. He unloaded the dishwasher like a champ. I even said, Micah, you know, um, if, if you're uncertain of where something goes, just set it on the counter. Um, there was nothing on the counter. Yeah. It's completely awesome. capable of things that really, had I not set this out, I don't know that I would have said, oh yeah, he's capable of that. Yeah. Um, so I think, again, that that expectation sometimes are too high, but sometimes are too low. That's right. Mm -hmm. um, right. And so we have to kind of learn where they are. And so it's not been perfect this week, but I tell you what, I, he, I feel like he's in a rhythm. And for him, that helps his mind to stay structured, to know what's required um, of him. And I think there's this sense of accomplishment. So that's yeah. kind of how our summer is going to go. I love that. And I love the, you know, you could have easily decided, here's my expectations. You know what you need to do? You, you have lived in this house long enough. You need to get your stuff done every day. Yeah. Anything else. And you know, what's expected of you. We tell you every day. So just get that stuff done and then walk in and just bring the hammer as you see a toothpaste, yeah. toothpaste and brush and all this. Instead, you said that that's too much to, to give that instruction in that mm -hmm. way. But here's a way that we can break it down where it's it's manageable and it is going to build routines. And we know that building routines, yes. you know, allows those things to become ingrained in in our in our brains. Becky and I were talking before we recorded about there's um, a few uh, voices of volatility out there in the world that love to diminish. Uh, I would say kind of informed thinking, um, yeah. parenting. Like I won't even zero in on. There's lots of critics of like yes. connected parenting, attachment based parenting, but just any kind of parenting outside of just like yelling and screaming. There's people love to uh, criticize and there's a lot of these uh, voices yelling about like, there is no need behind the behavior. The kids disobedient, they need to do it. And they see yeah. it the first time with a happy heart and da, 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 da. which yeah. first of all, that does not sound like a happy heart, but uh, the, <laughs> the thing that 
has always made so much sense to me is when we when we pair what we're talking about with neuroscience and when there is like hard cold scientific evidence there to show that these are the practices that can build functional or or high functioning habits right yeah this is the more effective way for us to go about it anyways. And so for yeah. if any of you are out there and you are hearing this and you're like, oh my gosh, that's so permissive. And that's way you're, you're babying this kid and how just remember, like this was not set up for the entire life of this child. This is a, this is a right. rank to build responsibility, to build some muscle motor memory, to build some habits. Yeah. And then gradually be able to take some of those things off to give some freedom to do those on its own, right? Um, and also, I would say, as a parent of a child, if you do have to do this for this child's entire life, you should do it because we love our kids and want to give them what they need yeah. to be able to thrive and build independence, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah. You, you know, you touched on on being able to um, set correct expectations, which which like connotes knowing um, what those proper expectations are. I, I don't know if you, this is not in our question list. I don't know if you want to talk more about that. How, how were you able to kind of look and determine where was the right place to start here? Um, well, again, I, I think just observing him for the entire school year and realizing that summer is a time where we can slow down, but the need for that, him thriving in structure um, that I kind of identified. And so that was the thing. And then, and then this was more than a list for him because these things make sense. Mm, yeah. You know, so many times I think we throw a chore list to our kids and they don't, that the concept of, you know, sometimes you want to say, I'm preparing you for life because when you leave here, you're going to have to know how to do a, B and C and, right. and that's scary. Right. Yeah. Um, one, because they're not thinking about going anywhere right now, right? And <laughs> so, right. Um, so I, I think this just broke broke it down. And so, as we were able to just kind of talk through this and the importance of, you know, when you wake up and you, um, you know, brush your teeth and you eat breakfast, you you become ready for the day. You know, it makes us less lazy. It makes us like less. Um, wanting to lay around and all of that stuff. And then, you know, you do live in our house. And so there are some things that you are able to do to create an environment where, you know, there aren't ants all over your room, right? Right. Um, and uh, and then it's important for all of us. And, and some of us is just modeling this ourselves. Like the, the routines that I'm talking about are things that yeah. really our kids should be seeing us do. Um, and so we want to build our spirit, right? We want to spend time in God's word. We want to spend time um, in prayer. And then it's important that we get our bodies moving. I mean, that yeah. creates a healthy, you know, a healthy body. And then we want to build our brain. You know, um, we don't want to be in a video game all day that's going to fry our brain. We want to, right? Um, and again, it's, it's about balance too. Yeah. And um, I've just had to let go of that because I felt like the more I was saying, okay, you have 30 minutes of screen time today. Yeah. The more opposition I got, um, you know, so it was better like, you know, you do these things and then, you know, maybe there's not this diehard limit. Yeah. To your screen time. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. because again, a majority of your day, um, you know, is spent on these other things. Um, yeah, that's really so good. I don't I know if I answered your question. And I, yeah. I think like my mother-in-law, Saturday is cleaning days at her house to this day. 
Uh, yeah. My husband has a brother that still lives lives with their mom. He's in high school, and every Saturday they are going to be cleaning. Well, that translates to my husband grabs a mop yeah. on Saturday because that's what he's done his whole life. And yeah. so I just like shout out to you for your future, for your son's future family. Yeah, it yeah. does. Like no, but none of us like to do chores and th- you know what I mean. No. I mean, okay, I say no. none of us. Some of us like to clean. That's a whatever, but. Habits that are healthy and good for us are yeah. hard to stick to. Yeah. So the more yeah. that you have someone supporting you doing that when you're young, the easier it is when you're in college, when you're a young adult, when you're in your adulthood to do those things. And I love how you made the point of we should be modeling these things too to the kids in our care because, yeah, like it's not just, hey, you should take care of your body and spirit. It's, hey, we should take care of our body mm-hmm. and our spirit and our home. Yeah, And so I'm just like, man. I don't think that my mother-in-law knew she was doing that, but she was scaffolding an adult who knows how to keep the house like clean as clean as you can with a lab who sheds all the time. So, I mean, if anyone has suggestions for dog care, let me know, but it takes a lot of work. And so building in those patterns and building in that rhythm, um, I think we can sometimes have higher expectations for kids than we do for ourselves. So I think when we can get those things in the right order, like you said, and just what are we valuing as a family? That's just, I love that example. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. have you seen this connecting practice in a movie, book, or TV show? Is there is there a a, a character or a moment or a scene uh, in a book or a movie or or a TV show that you thought about with this? Well, um, I couldn't think of a movie. I, actually, I probably could have if I really would have like taken a moment. I, I think like the movie Yours, Mine, and Ours might have a few examples of that. Yeah. If you've okay. seen that, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and uh, even like Mary Poppins. I was, I was able to think of a Disney movie, but, um, an example that I, um, and because I love scaffolding, uh, so much, I, I, I got this book and in this book, it tells a story and in a nutshell, it is, um, a, a mom who, um, basically she's not helping her child do his homework. She's doing his homework. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so what was happening was um, every evening, because it was such a nightmare, homework time was such a nightmare, mom would just be the one to do the math problems, um, write the the paper, um, you know, so his his homework grades were very good. And then when he went to school and he took a test, um, those grades obviously were not good. Um, and the school wasn't putting it all together because they just said, oh, he just must not test well, mm-hmm. right? We've heard of these things. And so over time, um, the mom uh, continued to do that, but, and he was considered to be like a top student, you know, and, mm, and of course he was. really, <laughs> right. And so this teacher was saying, I constantly warn parents about the danger of doing too much for their kids. And then I would go home and ignore my own advice. So his homework took longer and longer. And basically she was saying, basically, this is affecting me too much. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was pulling me away from other things that I wanted to be doing, be it your other kids, be it whatever. And so basically this mom was just saying it was too, it was it was easier. It was just easier for everybody. And um, so the book just went on to say, like, 
when we do those things, when we do that, when we take on the role of doing the things that they're supposed to do and and not allow the struggle, I think we talked about that too, you know, the, the capability of if you, you know, make a poor grade, you know, you have another opportunity to pull it back up or that yeah. whole idea of you fall down, this is how you get back up. But when you're never falling down, you don't ever learn how to get back up. That's and right. so the whole concept when when we're talking about scaffolding is that what we do when we do these types of things or when we never, Becca, to your point, when we're never allowing that kiddo to tie his own shoe or put the straw in his juice box or peel the orange, right? When we never even allow them to touch it, what we actually are doing is um, we are blocking growth. Mm-hmm. And so that's why scaffolding is so important because it's like, we got to give them a chance and, and they're going to fail and they're going to fall. But the only way we learn Mm. is by falling and getting back up. I don't know about you, but some of the greatest lessons in my life have been when things didn't go well and what I learned from that. And if we never let our kids feel that or be exposed to that, yeah. Then, then I think, you know, and that's where people that, you know, aren't um, established and connected parenting, or they they think that we're the constant rescuers, right? Yeah. So yeah. there's this balance of, um, you know, all of that that needs to come into play when we're talking about scaffolding. So my my example was in a book um, of, of of just that that when we do everything for our kids. Um, they're not going to be able to do things. That's inevitable. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was working for the kid. Yeah. Right. Oh, rates were high. oh man. Right. Right. I exactly. That's the best setup ever. Exactly. <laughs> you know, but that's where you get to like the 12th grade and you're really like a third grader. Yeah. Well, right? that's when you get to college and you're like, okay, so now I got to find somebody new to do my homework for me. Yeah. <laughs> a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> works if you're a big time athlete too, you know, that's right. That's right. Um, that's right. I, I will tell you one of my favorite examples of this is in the movie, the Sandlot. Um, okay. if you've ever seen that, the, yep. the main character smalls goes out, uh, for the first day to play baseball, he's got a hat with a brim a mile long and no, you know, like kind of, kind of a nothing glove. And uh, Benny the Jet, who's the you know the main character, the the best ball ball player out there, he he like positions him in the outfield because the kid's hopeless, can't play base, but that has no idea. <laughs> so he positions him in the outfield. And he goes, "Look, just hold your glove up like this." Like positions his arm up, hold your glove up like this. And Benny goes to the plate and hits a perfect pot fly. Smalls closes his eyes and it hits the glove and he catches it and he's like. Oh, I got it. And it's the beginning of him <laughs> gradually learning how to play baseball. And so they got him out there first, just like, all right, what does he play ball? And he's like, yeah, sure. Yeah. And he has no idea what he's doing. And gradually yeah. the summer of them, like kind of teaching him how to play. Like he, he gradually gets catches on and is a full regular participant in the team. And, um, it's an awesome, awesome picture of yeah. that. Yeah. That's sports, great. That's great. Sports offer such a clear idea of why this is necessary. Like I, I coached yeah. um, baseball for our 10 year old this past year, um, which at, at that age is always an exercise in futility where you're like, you, you start off the first practice. You're like, all right, guys, we're going to win some games this year. We're going to learn. We're going to play. Again. And then you get to the first <laughs> yeah. practice and you're like, 
we're going to lose every game we play in this year. And, um, but you just have to start small. And so there's all kind of little things you have to do to be able to like grow and learn in that. And so, um, it's a helpful illustration for us to keep in mind. Um, sometimes we do have to put our kids arm up, open the glove and like get some easy wins first, just to build a little bit of that confidence and, and motor memory. And so, um, yeah. yeah. So Angie, any, any kind of last words on this before last piece of advice or encouragement to people who are maybe just starting out in this? Oh goodness. I, again, I would say, don't look at the whole picture, especially mm-hmm. if you've got, you know, a lot of challenging areas, you know, start small, start with, you know, one thing and build from that. And, and the more confidence that, um, you know, your, our kids start to have, um, the better we'll get at it. You know, I, this isn't something that you can just, um, you know, there are a lot of natural scaffolding things that we do just by nature. Um, but sometimes kids from hard places really require us to really, again, be that detective, be reflective. The starting point for me, you know, is that place of being reflective, of looking how far your kids have come. I think, again, adds this slice of hope to help us to scaffold more. Um, So I think that's the starting place. Reflect. You know, I don't know how long your kids have been home or with you, um, but take a minute and go back to what it was like on day one when they were in your house and, and now, you know, today, whatever it is. Um, and look at, I think you would be pleasantly surprised at how much, um, sometimes we get so clouded in the progress, um, or the healing process in our kids that we think it's going to be like this forever. And that's simply not it. Um, so that's the first point. And then I'd say pick an area, um, and go for it. And, and, you know, it's like any of the connecting principles. It's not, this isn't something you try once and say, ah, that didn't work. (laughs) Um, You know, I've, I've trained, I've trained lots of parents on that. And they're like, yeah, you know, that practice outside the moment I did that yesterday and it (laughs) did not work. And I, you know, and I'm just going to go, oh, baby, you got to do it more. (laughs) You got it. You you know, because it's, this is not a once and done. This is a, you know, this is who we are and this is how we parent. And the more we do this, the consistency of that um, really gets us far. Um, And then when you can get everybody on board, you know, when your church is on board and your school that you attend is on board and we can get us all where we're talking the same language. Wow. We expeditiously, expeditiously grow our kids. Yes. To all of that, I love that. (laughs) The the multiple systems around us in the same page thing is massive. Um, I would get encouraged. Yeah. It def- that's a whole different can of worms. I'm not going um, to go into <laughs> right now, but uh, the more that you can share, and, and it could be as simple as sharing our podcast, which I would always yeah. recommend you do, or uh, sharing you know, resources from the ATC website or YouTube, whatever. But there's the the more people that are in your circle that can know and be aware of how you're doing things and more effective and and you know inclusive ways to do things for your kids, like um, the better. So they, uh, that's a good word, Angie. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for your examples today, Angie. I think they really bring to light to kind of like a word that's like, we don't use the word scaffolding in our day-to-day lives. Like it's, it's, it's probably the connecting practice. That's the 
weirdest in terms of like, we picked an academic kind of word. Thanks for helping it make some sense to us and giving us some examples. Um, My encouragement would be think about scaffolding all kinds of skills, emotional skills, social skills, academic skills, life skills. Um, If there's a skill you can break that skill down into those bite-sized pieces. You can practice it outside the moment. You can give support and encouragement and guidance for any kind of skill. And so if you find yourself getting continually frustrated by the same kinds of things, just take a step back and go, Hmm, I wonder if there's anything we could do here. That's good. It's good for both of y'all. Thank you. Uh, Well, Angie, thanks so much. And we will talk to you soon. All right. It was lots of fun. Thanks guys. Of course. Welcome to the Empowered to Connect podcast, where we come together to discuss a healing-centered approach to engagement and well-being for ourselves, our families, and our communities. I'm J.D. Wilson, and I am your host. And today on the show, we've got Angie Grant, uh, one of our Cultivate Connection facilitators from Virginia. She's going to be on talking about um, one of our, uh, I keep saying one of our favorite practices. Well, we love them all. They're all our favorites, but um, a very important connecting practice in the idea of um, developmentally appropriate um, work with our kids, which is using scaffolding. So the idea that um, it might not be fair to expect our kids to be able to, you know, rip off big chunks of things at one time. How do we, how do we help them learn um, in more manageable spaces? So we'll, we'll talk through all of that. I'm not going to do it now. We'll talk through all of that um, and all of the different dynamics that exist, some examples, uh, the work um, academically behind this idea, all of that in just a few minutes with Becca McKay and Angie Grant. Um, you're going to love it. it uh, Angie is a lifetime educator. So uh, tons of very practical teaching and good tips uh, along the way. And so uh, without any further ado, here they are now, Angie Grant, Becca McKay, and myself. Well, hopefully today was a really practical episode, um, and hopefully there are just some uh, tips that came out of this and, and things, ways for us to think about um, this particular practice that will that will help you where you're at, um, whether it is summer for you or it is winter for you as it is for um, our friends in the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, hopefully this episode gives you some life and helps just to um, move along into um, uh, into more comfort and peace in your home. So uh, that's all we got for today. For everybody here at ETC, for Kyle Wright, who edits and engineers all of our audio, for Tad Jewett, the creator of the music behind the Empower to Connect podcast, and everybody on the Empower to Connect team, I'm J.D. Wilson, and I will see you next week on the Empower to Connect podcast. Mm-hmm.